0: My podcast, where I discuss writing. Specifically, today, my own writing. As we get back into birch, if you haven't listened to the first two parts of this, go listen to them first, for God's sakes. But I am really enjoying this series. I've been looking forward to doing more of it. That's a change, (laughs) you know. Lately, with everything going in my life, I have looked to the podcast for an opportunity to speak what I'm feeling. And today, as of 12.05, this is a Monday, I have the day off, so I'm recording the podcast today. I submitted my final grades for my course. And I left this feeling a little bummed. And yeah, this is my first time officially teaching, sure. But it's been a lot of work. And I only taught one class because, you know, for one thing, they only had one class to give me. And another thing, I'm working a full-time job separate from this. So I'm working two jobs. And one class definitely takes more than just an hour and a half a week out of my time. But I learned a lot from my students. And I'm currently working on lectures for an online course. I've gotten through most of the semester already, surprisingly enough, with my work ethic. But I really hope that my model for my online course works, because what I'm going to do, and it may or may not work, it may all blow up in my face, but I had my students write weekly responses to the text. It was a way for them to practice writing and tell me what they were thinking about what they were reading, And also a way to avoid quizzes and tests, because I don't want to, I don't believe that that's really an effective way to gauge how a student is really interpreting and understanding the material. Now, it does prove whether or not they read, and that's another reason why I'm giving them the weekly response. But what I'm doing for the online course is after their weekly response, instead of having an an in-person class because it's an online course, I'm having a lecture that I'm recording for each week based on the text as if I was in class. And in this lecture, I'm asking them to do certain things on a second weekly response. For the second weekly response, they have to write a response to my lecture. And then on on another page, do activities that I give them to do and that those activities are usually things like making lists about characters just thinking about things a little bit more critically breaking them down a little easier now this may work great this may be a terrible idea but I'm really eager to see what happens because most of my assignments this, this semester actually worked out pretty well including my final exam because my final exam was very unorthodox i wanted to teach them more about tropes but i wanted to also teach them about research a little bit but mostly have them go out into the world and discover for themselves so i asked them as instead of giving them an actual exam i gave them a prompt several weeks before the exam and what i asked them to do was i wanted them to find Three tropes from TVTropes.com. It could be a trope for anything they wanted. It could even be just three completely unrelated random tropes. But I wanted them to study them, define them, and pr- either provide examples or tell me why they liked that trope. Every single student that showed up to this to this exam knocked it out of the park. I was very. I, I was. I wasn't surprised so much as just. Kind of, I don't know how to express it. I was very pleased, but at the same time, I didn't know that it would work. And it did. It was great. I'm done talking about teaching for now. You don't want to hear about this anymore. Let's get into Birch. The concept of staying in the grown house was nice until I shot a child inside of it. I can't stay here all day while I'm processing the eight people whose lives I ended. Beyond this property and the server room that Walter invested in, his actual assets are nil in 86. The elevator leading to Murray's basement apartment might appeal to your wealthier serial killers like Al Price. Black Flag is playing at Club 866 tonight. There's a line of girls dressed like they're in a Janet Jackson music video, and the few guys around are skinheads. I sit at the bar and wait for the bartender to notice me. A blonde in an oversized black shirt with shorts that comes up to her ass practically knocks me off my stool when she hollers for him. Oh, sorry, she barely looks back at me. That's okay, I say. I was hoping someone dressed like a sexy undertaker would run into me. Wow, that was almost good. Let me buy you a watered-down beer. There are a couple of things that I want to chime in and, and just mention real quick. Club 866 is in the Charles Price novella. It is where Charles Price meets a certain somebody who appears right now in this book. But it's based on a real club that was in Atlanta where Black Flag and The Replacements and maybe R.E.M. A bunch of bands used to play there. But from what I understand, it was kind of a shithole. Anyway... The bartender sees the blonde and puts a huge can of Pabst Blue Ribbon in front of her with two plastic cups. She pours me one and sits down. I squint because it looks like her irises are red, but maybe they're brown. Are you from here? I ask. Yeah, she says. I'm Nicole. You say that like you're the only girl in Atlanta named Nicole. Well, at least you know you're not the only guy named Dick in town. It's Birch, I say. Now that is unique. Your mom or dad picked that out. It's just what I go by. I'm originally from Winston. How exotic. Greg Ginn is on the stage playing guitar without the band around. Whenever Henry decides to show up, we won't be able to hear each other talk. You want to move closer? I point to the stage. Nah, I've already had Hank spit on me once. We watched the show with the crowd pressed against the stage and plenty of room for us to drink shitty beer. I'm only sipping on this to be polite. I intended to order Heineken and pretend to drink so I wouldn't have to exchange saliva with the crowd. Halfway through the set, Nicole gestures to the door. It's not like we're missing out on seeing Zeppelin, so we enter the cold night and look up and down the street as if we're waiting on a cab. I drove Walters DeVille here. I forgot to eat before I came here, I say. You know anything that's good to eat? I can't go anywhere fancy wearing this, Nicole says. Well, I haven't had much of anything except McDonald's the past few days. Do you not cook? Oh, I cook. My house only has bacon and Coke, though. Oh, you do Coke? No, no. Nicole gets into my car without knowing me at all, so I guess I don't give complete serial killer vibes. We go to the Big Star Grocery Store a few blocks away from 866, which makes this almost as bizarre as my interaction with Dolores the other evening. Nicole definitely talks less, though. Wielding a plastic basket, Nicole maneuvers to the meat department and grabs a pound of chicken breast, snaps a salt container, garlic powder, a bottle of lemon juice, and a bag of green giant broccoli. When I pull out my wallet at the, ca- at the checkout, she hands the cashier two dollars bills and accepts the change as I stand there like I'm invisible. "'How old are you?' I ask on the way to the car. Twenty, she says. "'You're twenty and you pay for food that you're cooking for us?' "'Oh, you think I should be broke or something?' "'Well, my dad's a doctor. I have an allowance. You want to know anything else embarrassing about me?' "'How often do you do coke?' not enough. In the shadows, she looks familiar. Because she has light hair, her pale skin possesses a creamy texture. Still, there's a ghostly quality combined with those eyes I've seen before. Rather than gasping and orgasming in the car when we pull inside the garage, Nicole looks as enthusiastic as a second-wave feminist at a monster truck rally. I didn't expect her to be terribly excited to see this place, But I was until I murdered two people in it. I bet the elevator will impress her. As if she's been here before, Nicole finds a pan and turns the gas stove on. I didn't know that was a gas stove. The concept always scares me because I think I'll blow up the house. What's Coke Zero? Nicole looks in the fridge. Did you need something else? I ask. You weren't kidding about only having bacon and Coke. And you only have a half pound left. I just moved here, I say. And no beer! Now I feel like I'm babysitting a neglected child. A kid who knows how to cook and speak like an adult, but without the emotional intelligence you expect from someone your own age. It's normal for Nicola to want to drink and do coke at her age. I lived that portion of adolescence when I was living with Monsoon and learning how to steal. Twenties are an extension of the teenage year, so I'm essentially an old creep. Yes, keep in mind... While Nicole is 20, Birch is almost 200 years old. So, it's very much um, Edward and Bella at this point, I guess. What do you do to afford a place like this with no food or anything to drink? I haven't perfected the story for that yet, I say. I'm not sure what the truth is. Well, I know you're not a drug supplier. I already dated one of those. You ever kill anybody? Nicole puts the chicken on and uses a bowl to mix lemon and garlic. I suppose now is the time for me to stop talking. She preheats the oven after getting the broccoli ready with some of the concoction she pours over the meat. He has people killed, Nicole says. I never saw him have to hurt anybody. I was in a car with a waitress the other night, I say. She left me at a gas station when I told her what I'd do. Other men in my position would steal a car and chase her down or show up where she works later. I can't be mad at someone looking out for their own survival, though. So, you do kill people. Are you a hitman? A long time ago, killing people was part of my job. You have too much of a baby face for me to say how old you are, but I don't see it. Cutting into the chicken, I look for any pink or congealed fat. The outside is slightly crispy with the brown tinge up and down the center of the skin. I'm not surprised that it tastes good. I'm relieved. What happens after we eat, though? The last time I tried impressing a woman with dinner and stories about my life, she left for Portland with another man. If I weren't invulnerable to any potential attack, I should be more worried about a person so willingly coming home with me. Admittedly, she's attractive, and I'd definitely break my decades-long celibacy for her. If I go back too far, it may have been over a century since I last had sex. You never told me what you do, I say, work or school-wise. I'm enrolled at Georgia State, but I'm taking the semester off. I met someone during the last quarter and tried giving a relationship a go. Drug supplier, I ask. Well... He imports cocaine from Cuba, Nicole says. He doesn't deal. My last real relationship was sort of wonderfully toxic, I say. I can only surmise yours was the same. Wonderfully toxic is pretty accurate, I guess. My mind turns to jiggling gelatin as I try placing how I know Nicole. I'm at the point where I've almost known her in my old life. Still... It's like playing chess against myself. What's your last name, I ask? I'm not telling you my last name if you're going to pretend you only have one name. My full name is K Abercrombie. I didn't pick Birch, though. Welty, Nicole says. I have an older brother named Tommy who goes to UGA. Both your parents still alive? Yeah, I guess yours aren't. I never knew anyone who named Welty. For some reason, Ken Price comes to mind, though he and I were never in the same room other than when he tried killing me and I shot him. My memory of his face is actually indistinct and blurry. Charles looked like him as an older man, but not so much when I saw him at Harvard. What was Ken's mother called? Will you be honest with me about something? Nicole asked. Sure. How did you get this house? Well, the two people who previously lived here are no longer among the living. You want to know how I bought it, right? Your first statement makes it seem like I didn't buy it. Maybe I killed them. Colt nods. Telling someone who I am obviously scares them away unless they share a similar past. Veronica murdered her mother in order to escape an abusive relationship. Lilith served Lucifer for centuries. I suppose if I count Monsoon, she's the one who made me a criminal. Nicole may have dated a coke runner, but that doesn't mean she's up for more danger. The last person I was honest with left me at a gas station in Dallas, I say. Pretty sure you could catch me if I try to escape, Nicole says. I'm not going to run, though. Basically, yeah, I killed the people who used to live here because they were integral to a satanic plot to destroy society. I'm not from 1986. I was born in 1993 and lived to see the year 2140. Through my own stupidity, I'm back in the 80s to change everything that went wrong. That involved eight murders and taking a van of children back to Mexico, though they weren't on my list of things to do. Everything you just said could be a lie. Nicole says. So prove it. Are those weird Cokes in the fridge from the future? Do you have a DeLorean or Time Machine to prove this? Let's see, I say. It's 1986, so Ronald Reagan is on his last term. In 1988, George Bush will be elected and be a one term president. I guess we can wait until 1988 and find out. Come on, Nicole crosses her arms. Surely you know something that will happen soon. Well, it's February, so I guess Chernobyl hasn't exploded yet. Cher did what? In Russia there's a nuclear explosion and it's a it's a big deal. I mean, I wasn't born until 93, but I learned about it online in 2008 or something. What line? The internet? In the 90s there's this thing called well, This is thing involving computers connecting all over the world. That sounds futuristic, I suppose. Got anything else? How have you possibly survived this long? Do I stab myself or climb up to the second floor and fall down into the kitchen? By now, proving that my skin, bones, and cartilage won't break is a party trick. Have you ever wanted to shoot someone, I ask? maybe when I'm pissed stay here in the kitchen there's a nook with a built in desk a compact desktop pro and set of pens sits on the green felt I stash my new 38 revolver in the top drawer Nicole can see me from the dining room and she almost crawls under the table so I set the gun on the slick floor and kick it over you know how to shoot I ask I'm not going to shoot you. What the fuck, Birch? I've been shot so many times, and if you kill me, you can have this house. That makes her pick up the gun and take aim while cocking back the lever. She closes her eyes to pull the trigger, though. To fuck with her, I run on my tippy toes to get really close when she opens them back up. These are blanks, aren't they? she asks. Pick up the round, I point. Oh shit, it has a dent. Look at my shirt. Oh fuck, I ruined it. A lot of clothes get ruined by bullets when you live like I do. A friend of mine said that he thinks that Birch is kind of a badass. and I don't typically align Birch with the concept of being a badass, but that line, a lot of clothes get ruined by bullets when you live like I do, that's a pretty cool line right there. I'm going to jerk my own dick on that one. Nicole sets the gun on the table and backs away as if it has teeth. The realization that godly beings exist on this world always changes someone's entire perspective. Carrie wanted more evidence and I had to summon Lucifer to convince him. Most people accept the Trinity as a principle instead. Anything else you want to tell me about the future? Actually, I wanted to ask, I say. Do you know a Charles Price? She wraps her fingers around the top of her chair and looks at the hole in my shirt. I'm not certain if news about Charles getting murdered spread or if Lucifer made it look like a disappearance. Since there's no internet, my only news sources are the paper, radio, and television, and they're not exactly finite. We went to high school together, Nicole says. My brother was in his graduating class. Do you find him attractive at all oh a lot of girls did he was the most popular kid in school Uh, i wasn't this little slice of perfection you see now he was one of the men i killed i say in the summer of 1986 he meets a girl someone kidnaps her and he sells his soul to satan wait Nicole holds up her hand. You you, mur- you you murdered Charles, and he was supposed to sell his soul for a girl. They have a connection. She admits attraction, and there's the drug aspect. While I can't recall her name, Charles married the girl. She had kin in 1991, the same moment Arthur killed Lester per the agreement with Lucifer and kills herself in 2010. Despite Mrs. Price playing a major part in that story, I know nothing else about her. This is something that I put in here as almost like a critique of myself, even though I never intended for Nicole to be a major character in anything, because when I originally wrote her in Price of the Trinity, she did not have any dialogue, and I eventually gave her some in that book, but... The point was that she was just so traumatized and beaten down by Charles that she didn't have anything to say. She was just too depressed and withdrawn. And, of course, in the, the final cut, the the book that you're able to buy, uh, Price of the, of the Trinity, she kills herself. Spoiler alert. So we know... That she wasn't happy. But in the Charles Price novella, you see that she was actually intelligent and, and kind of bubbly, you know. And she is actually the one who pushes Charles towards violence. Uh, she's there when he first kills somebody. So it, it's almost like... I'm not trying to pull an Adam and Eve where we're, we're blaming the woman for everything. Absolutely not. But... She's actually a more interesting character than you would think, and she's not all that innocent, and that's why I like her, and another reason why I brought her back for this book. What's the guy's name, I ask. Your ex-boyfriend. I called him John, Nicole says. Jonathan Ziegler. When Lucifer created Walter Grone's persona... And moved him to Atlanta. He needed someone to take his place in the cocaine business. Smuggling coke through Mexico proved too slow. With a farm in Cuba, they went through Florida to Atlanta all the way up to New York. Each state had a designated man to circulate the product to dealers. Ziegler proved to be pretty cunning for a guy with white boogers. The reason why Charles had to sell a soul was to be able to kill Ziegler who made his own deal with Lucifer in 1984. It's you, I say. You were supposed to marry Charles. (laughs) That sounds like it would be fun for a few days. I should probably stop talking now, I say. I may have saved your life by killing Charles, but it's not fair of me to lay this on you. No, Nicole grabs my arm. I need to know now. My breathing grows intense and all feeling flushes from my face. Nicole hugs me and runs her nails down the back of my neck. I see Ken clearly. He broke into my apartment and waited for Veronica and me. Now neither of them will exist. There was, in an earlier draft, I did write the scene... Of Ken killing Veronica from Birch's perspective and what they went through that day because if you remember from Demise if you've read Demise Ken actually fires a shot from a a parking garage near Birch's apartment and that causes Birch and Veronica to leave the apartment for the day so I wrote about that and then I decided eh... No, I'm not gonna put that in. For one thing, it was boring, and another thing, that story's already been told. I killed your son in 2015. I say. I shot him in the in in this house. Fuck, I, I forgot. I have a son. He was like me. I say, part of the Trinity. What was he like? A lot like Charles. Nicole helps me to the living room and I see Ken's blood in the corner of the room. He looks back at me as he bleeds out just like his father. When I shot him, I ended a lot of potential destruction. He kamikaze buildings, killed people without purpose, and played both sides of Lucifer's war. So, I was part of all this? Nicole asked. I shouldn't have said anything. You deserve to be able to live without wondering what almost happened. No. I want to know everything. I think what attracts Nicole to Birch at this point is the fact that he does know all of this stuff and she's not really sure whether or not he's telling the truth. But, uh, you know, as I'm reading this, I'm wondering, well, why the hell did they end up fucking each other? Because this is kind of depressing. But I think that it It really excites her, and she wants to get more out of Birch. Not necessarily using him, but she wants to know what he knows. So in chapter 10, we get to see the aftermath of this conversation. Nicole clearly didn't lose her virginity to Jonathan or Charles. In the morning, my muscles feel like I wrestled 12 apes. My testicles feel a pound lighter. I should have bought eggs and orange juice at the grocery store last night to make breakfast and coax her into staying longer. Admittedly, I wish I could tell Ken I fucked his mom and ruined his chance at existence. Since I fulfilled my duties, if I can call them that, I'm not sure what I'm going to do for the rest of time. In 2033, I resigned myself to staying in my house and rarely ventured into the world. Instead of helping mankind, I let people devour one another as they survived until 2085. Perhaps if I intervened, whites wouldn't have dented the minority population dramatically. That's something that I make clear in Surviving New America because Surviving New America was written in 2020 and the George Floyd incident happened and then the riots. So what I took that as an indication of is if society collapsed now and it was survival of the fittest I saw it as a clear indication that for one thing, America has not moved past racism and if it were uh, a question of people against each other based on their race there is a high chance that White people in this country, if society dissolved, would rise against minorities. So when we have a character like Jamarin, who is one of my favorite characters in Surviving New America, he is someone who just barely survived the reckoning of what happened between twenty thirty three and twenty eighty-five, because His parents were killed. That book was largely a reflection of all the atrocity I saw happening in the world. And I was scared that it would escalate to a point where people would start rising against one another in the streets. And then we saw January 6th happen, not long after the riots, mind you. In In the scheme of time... That was like a second later that that happened. So, to see this kind of stuff happening in this country, it worried me. And I could only envision bad things happening for minorities if such a thing like 2033 and Demise of the Trinity happened in real life. So, dwelling on this doesn't bother me since I'm essentially resetting time. What stops Lucifer from crossing timelines, though... While I am in the Trinity, he could send someone else. There's also the possibility possibility that this isn't the same exact timeline I was born in. I'm not entirely convinced I destroyed the world in 2140. Just because I prevented 2033 doesn't mean I made Earth future-proof from Lucifer either. See, there are all these questions that Birch is raising That, as an author, I wanted the reader to raise as well. I wanted you to wonder, what is actual reality? Is this reality? What's going on here? When I possessed the Satanic power, I tried seeing as far back into history as I could. I'm not certain how Lucifer took hell as as his domain. His disdain for mankind originates with Adam and Eve. Lilith never told me about her time with Adam, but she did confirm he existed. However, the Lucifer I destroyed understood that humans were necessary to perpetuate hell. Otherwise, God eradicates the truly lost souls and Lucifer among them. These thoughts never cease as I have to contend with the importance of the Trinity and adhere to my duties at last. 2033 was not just a plot against mankind, but a failure on my part. For centuries, the Trinity operated like a small secret society. Otherwise, men like Lester couldn't live in a suburban neighborhood. Possessing that much power can corrupt a person's spirit if not kept in check. The other reason behind remaining in the shadows is evident in Arthur Lindsay's imprisonment from 2015 to 2033. While no one can hurt me, they can certainly physically restrain me. The figurehead is supposed to tame evil in order to keep balance. I took Lucifer's power on Earth twice before. While I, don't covet, while I don't covet what I already had, the world sleeps on a hellish time bomb. This Lucifer has yet to realize he cannot exist without humanity, and hell would be better without him. Murray was a piss-poor Satan. Lilith understands balance. I need a favor, I say. Hmm? Nicole rubs her eyes. Where can I find Ziegler? You want to kill him, too? It's more complicated than that. I need to to get to him soon, though. Do you have a toothbrush I can use? Nicole asks. If you get me in the same room with him, I say, I'll get you everything you need. We end up in a high-rise apartment building near downtown. A guy wearing a bright red knit sweater, black jeans, and an oversized gold Rolex answers his door and immediately hugs Nicole as if I'm not there. This is David, the dealer who introduced Nicole to Ziegler a few months ago. David is also in the Charles Price novella. If we could preserve this apartment in the Smithsonian, future generations will comprehend the grandeur of the 80s. Having a white carpet is pretty bold even if you only serve Pinot Grigio to guest. I bet he vacuums once a month to collect any excess coke from parties. The CD player and stereo impress me, but the fireplace acting as a wall separating the living room into two spaces calls into question the whole arrangement. I mean, how many times have I walked into a trailer home with only a countertop separating the kitchen from the couch, recliner, and 28-inch TV in a rustic wooden entertainment center? Good timing with your visit, David says. Jonathan is coming to drop some fresh blow. Is your silent friend buying for you today? Oh, this is Birch, Nicole wraps her arm around my waist. He's from the future. And they say Coke doesn't have any lasting effects, David says. You looking for an eight ball, an ounce, or a gram today? So, listen, David, Nicole sits down. We're just visiting today. I'm actually not going to be buying anymore. I've heard that so many times, David laughs. As soon as you gain a pound, you'll be asking me for a hit. No, I, I'm kind of not into the idea of ruining my life anymore. When there's a knock on the door, I walk to the other side of the fireplace and pull the thirty eight from my jacket. Nicole follows David as they welcome someone who looks like a new wave Brit pop band singer. As soon as he closes the door, I come around and pull the hammer back. First of all... Before I, I continue in this scene, I want to tell you something that I don't know if anyone really knows. But Ziggler is physically based on David Sylvian, the lead singer of the band Japan. He is also the man behind one of my favorite albums of all time, Gone to Earth. And If you've never heard Gone to Earth, it is a brilliant fucking album. But yeah... Go look at a picture of David Sylvian of the Banjo Japan from like the, the early 80s when he was like really pale and his hair was just amazing. Oh fuck! Ziggler notices me. When will we end this cycle, Birch? Lucifer's voice calls. The room goes dark as if the moon eclipses the sun and I'm alone. I fire the revolver and the shot causes the weapon to dissolve in my hand. A circle of fire forms around me. You can't kill me and take what you already have. Meaning, I ask, the satanic power merely rests inside of you, Lucifer says. You cannot rid yourself of what God ordains. A white screen material materializes, reaching beyond where my line of sight can see. Murray appears as I knew him before. Facing Ken Price, he focuses and forces my old adversary back out onto Walter Groan's lawn. A younger Murray causes an explosion as Alison Price watches. Facing me, as if looking into a camera, he flies into the air with the backdrop of New York City before landing an attack. What Murray never fully realized, Lucifer says, is he possessed tremendous power. You have more power than all the Antichrist combined, yet you believe it successfully left your body in 2140. I cannot blame you for ignorance, considering your human genetic makeup predisposing you for your intellectual failure. You don't want me to access it, though, I say, You misled me into thinking what you want, so I'll allow you to hinder humanity. With your presence in this timeline, I am fully aware of my strategy backfiring. Now I must contend with Aiden's kin on a planet where your kind ignores how their actions affect future generations. I am in debt to you for this wisdom. Where does this leave us, I ask? Considering your actions impacting the world for multiple generations, I cannot return you to the year 2140. It no longer exists as you remember. Instead, hellfire will awaken in you. Knowing what we do about power, it is only a question of when you will choose to abuse your ability and become a greater evil than myself. Then it may consume your mind. I'll just kill you again. Destroy your soul and put Lilith in your place. Damn your ignorance, Birch. The gun returns to me. Nicole pulls David away from the scene. Lucifer stands in front of Jonathan waiting for my decision. My eyes don't even have to adjust to the light. I remember that this weapon is unnecessary for me. If I want to... I can imagine Ziggler's head turning into an orange and squeeze it for the juice. With a snap, I can cause this building to collapse and burst out of rubble as the sole survivor. Putting the 38 back in my pocket, I approach Lucifer, and heat creates a dark aura around us. Please, Lucifer says, I am obligated by contract to protect. This Cretizo. I'll spare him, I say, but I banish you from returning to Earth again. God expects you to fulfill your duties as the figurehead, keep a balance in good and evil, guide the new Trinity as you will. I understand that we have a lot to unpack, okay? It is interesting and convenient that Birch is just able to reassume his powers, isn't it? And again, this is something that you can leave to your own interpretation. But according to Lucifer, who is such an honest person, Birch had them all along. So he just forgot them? Did he choose to forget them? Did he need to believe in himself to have them? Perhaps they weren't dormant? Maybe Lucifer gave them again in the sly? Probably not. But it's up to you. So chapter 11. So are you like a god? Nicole asked. I'm driving us to Nicole's house and considering never seeing her again for the sake of her well-being. While I like her, I don't want another love-bomb relationship where I become emotionally dependent. Then there's the issue of telling her about the Trinity, the future, and witnessing Lucifer appear in a Coke dealer's apartment. I erased David's memory as soon as we walked out, but I don't want Ziegler to forgive me. Especially if he ever thinks about coming after Nicole. Do you think there's any ethical issue with erasing someone's memory, I ask. You can't answer a question with a question, Nicole says. No, I'm not a god. There's only one of those, and he's pretty quiet. Yes, Nicole nods. There is an ethical issue with erasing memories. Our memories are what we learn from. We dissect them for years. What did you learn from this? To stop doing coke? might be ugly, but I'm not going to let my life spiral like you said it does. And if I erased your memory, you'd... Go right back to blow. Well, yeah, I love it. Don't erase my memory. Do you not want me to see? Do you not want to see me again or something? I do. I say, I'm processing the ramifications of all this. Being with me represents a level of danger. Better than Mary and Charles Price. Putting the Cadillac in park, I watch Nicole as she skips up her front steps to go inside. Focusing on her brain, I think about the last 24 hours. As her memories of me wither, I find her thoughts and experiences with cocaine. They follow images of me and disappear. Am I being selfish or selfless? I set the gear to drive. There's a ringing sound. As I'm heading into the city, I open the center console between the front seats and find a car phone. Multitasking is not my strength. I'm also not good at catching anything I chase. I try to keep the caddy straight on the road as I answer. Um, hello? Birch. Yeah? Pull over at the noble bookstore across from Kmart. That sounded like a woman, though the connection doesn't lend itself to gender. I'm not sensing anyone I know nearby. However, I'm a curious man and can easily turn whoever this is into a porcelain doll. I wish they'd invited me to Kmart. If I had time after this, I'd like to browse a few stores to experience retail therapy in the 80s. Music from this decade got played in the grocery stores when I was a kid, so I wonder if they play the Beach Boys and stuff now. Rather than having an open space with tidy bookshelves, vinyl records and overpriced dvds this store is a small square with shelves lining the walls a register sits on a glass display case in the center the cashier is the only person in the store afternoon the man says hey i say what's the scuttlebutt nothing today but check back tomorrow and i'll let i'll let you know Whenever I peruse bookstores, I find the B section for Bukowski first and the E section for Breddy Stanella second. Unsurprisingly, there's no Hank. However, a paperback copy of Less Than Zero sits next to Invisible Man. I haven't seen a copy without yellowing pages before. The bell rings as a woman in sunglasses enters. With the glare from the sun, I can't make her face out behind the glasses. As if I'm a 14-year-old boy, my dick starts swelling when I see blue eyes against freckled skin with pursed red lips. I haven't seen Lilith since she took the satanic title in the previous timeline, so she doesn't go by Satan in 1986. Hello, Birch, she offers her hand. My name is Lilith. What? I get that a lot. Since she left Adam, Lilith appeals to men and women by embodying the form of their ideal woman. Everybody sees her uniquely. When we met in 2015, she had clear skin and naturally red hair. Over time, she evolved to have freckles all over and dark eyes. As my taste altered, she followed Sue. Our relationship lasted 18 years. Now she acts like we've never met before. I suppose if the previous Lucifer told me no one would know me, I failed to consider the reality that the person I love the longest has no memory of our future. You instructed Satan to remain in hell, she says, and he's following your order. I'm here on his behalf. Why should we talk about him, I ask. Could we go somewhere else? I chose this place for a reason. She looks at the clerk as he reads. But you and I knew each other before, I say. Well, I guess I should say after. <laughs> I'm with someone right now. The bites her lip. Doing what Satan instructs me to. What I do best. You don't have to do any of that anymore. Birch, let me say this. Another Lucifer... Send us a message in hell. Earth One needs your intervention because of something that happened when you broke through the timeline. I don't care, I say. I'm not supposed to return there. Lucifer requested you specifically. Carrie Davidson started an evangelical corporation that is built on his experience the night you met. You know who Carrie Davidson is, but you don't know who I am? Birch. I only know about him because of Lucifer's warning. That man is trying to change everything. People are converting to Christianity and his influence over the government is too vast. I'm going to chime in here as the author. Originally, it wasn't Lucifer who crossed over and told the other Lucifer. It was originally someone named Iommi, as in Tony Iommi of Black Sabbath. It was a reference to him. But I didn't really have any story for Iomi, even though I intended to. I was going to develop him into a character somewhat, but instead I was like, eh, that doesn't make any sense, and I changed it to Lucifer, because that made a little bit more sense. Oh, I say. So Lucifer doesn't like that people are getting saved and not going to hell like he planned. Fuck this conversation. Lilith not knowing me is enough to make me destroy this world, too. Rather than have her follow me into the parking lot, I think about Groan's house and materialize in the bedroom. I can't yo-yo between timelines just because Lucifer dislikes what some rich Christian does. Now I want to return to 2140. Not only do I miss my bed, the beach house, and solitude, but that time period. New America wasn't a utopia, and even... In 55 years, the population and government remained poor. God did not design the world for man to melt down gold and make crowns. Rather than grow too dependent on technology, new Americans knew to retain some survivalist methods in their lifestyles. As ashamed as I was for manipulating Rosa, I really wanted her. Nero couldn't appreciate what he had until he lost everything. Now, I'm finally feeling the loss of everyone who knew me, thanks to Lilith. Might as well be back where I came from when I was relishing in misery. The door opens and Lilith throws up her hands. Satan is going to have me follow you until you fix this, she says. How urgent is it, I ask. I can't spend the day doing this, Birch. I have other things I need to do, and if the guy I'm working notices I'm gone too long... He'll get suspicious. Every man does. What do I get out of it, I ask. Why didn't Lucifer just ask you to seduce me and make me? I told you I'm busy with another man now, and Satan feels it's best if you and I remain apart. Okay. I'll help under certain circumstances. This is the last time I cross over timelines. You don't know where you're going yet. You're not going back to 2015 when you met Carrie. You're going to 2033. And you don't know what I'm demanding either. Now, this part of the novel is something that I planned all along, and I didn't really change and revision so much. I did want him to cross over back to the timeline that he originated in, and not in 2015. I wanted him to see Carrie when he was older and see how the changes he made when he was there affected the world. Just like Back to the Future too. I mean, I can't have a novel that has some form of timeline jumping or time travel without some similarity to Back to the Future. I mean, that series covers time travel so well. Could you imagine if I put birch in the old west <laughs> maybe for a fan fiction of my own work so for chapter 12 let's get into it unlike my experience in 2033 earth one doesn't have edisons driving everywhere connected to satellite internet in fact there isn't widespread wi-fi or electric cars replacing a fuel-based economy instead atlanta looks very much like 2015 lots of traffic construction and apparently empty office space Kerry Davidson's face is on the first electronic billboard I see downtown, though. Much like Walter Grome prior to his death, Kerry is a talentless celebrity. He's famous for building churches and spreading the theory of the Trinity. I know this because his company is called Universal Trinity Ministries. If he was merely spreading the Word of God, he wouldn't be a billionaire. As I'm standing in front of the former World of Coke building next to the Capitol, the black marble sculpture of Jesus and Carrie holding hands reminds me of an old science fiction movie where a character enters a dystopian version of the future and sees monuments to tyrants. Carrie uses this building as a UTM headquarters. Lilith didn't specify what I'm expected to do here. Lucifer avoided me when I entered Earth One's Hell. He had a random damn soul traverse timelines just to send me this message. Since this isn't my world and I'm not supposed to be here, what are the ramifications if I just snap my fingers and cause this building to collapse? I can't expose Kerry without revealing myself to the world and confirming his assertions that God exists. I also can't erase everyone's memory en masse. Why Lucifer decided to send me directly to 2033 instead of back to 2015 is beyond me as well. Another thing that happened later in the novel when I was first writing it was something that I obviously took out when I almost mimicked what happened with Carrie and this whole ministry thing, but with Birch. So what Birch does is he goes to the small town and there's this crazy evangelical minister and he is still in this novel by the way he's also the minister that's in Path to Venom and he is the grandfather of the woman who is a minister in uh, Mount Venom so I think his name is Sanders but basically Birch builds a television streaming network before Netflix takes over because he's able to live from 86 onward. And so he makes the innovation uh, innovation of streaming before anyone else does. And he uses it to help promote this minister. And what they decide to do is they decide to prove that Satan is real to everyone on live TV. And they do so by kidnapping Uh, Jonathan Ziegler and they have a hood over his head so that nobody can tell who it is and Birch holds a gun to Ziegler's head and Lucifer shows up and it's on camera and everyone sees it and now everyone in the world knows that God exists yeah I, I cut that for good reason I love these exchanges with Birch and people who work in security a security guard approaches me in the lobby "'Can I ask your business here, sir?' he asked. "'Where can I find Carrie?' I asked. "'Mr. Davidson only sees people by appointment.' "'I don't actually need to trick this security guard into letting me up. "'If I wanted, I could materialize wherever Carrie is in the world "'and dropkick him like John Cena jumping into a bowl of potato salad.' "'There's an internet reference for you. "'Admittedly, I'm bored and not in a hurry to fix whatever Lucifer expects out of me.' He's upset that less people are going to hell, which isn't a bad thing. I do see Carrie organizing a corporation around God and the Trinity is a bad thing, though. Do you believe in this shit? I ask. Sir, if you don't have, I asked you a question. Yes, I believe in God and the Holy Trinity. Trinity, I say. Just Trinity. It's not holy. Could you please leave? No, I'm going to see Carrie. Touching his nose, I put the guard into a stupor and walk to the elevator, which requires a badge to ascend. Carrie's office is on the third floor, and another guard stands at the door leading into the work area where all the lackeys sit in their desk, answering emails about Jesus and perpetuating my name for a buck. May I help you? The new guard asks. No. I touch his nose. Boop! I don't have to touch their noses, but it's fun. Saying boop makes it amusing to me, though not hilariously so. None of the desk gremlins pay me attention. When I met Kerry at the bar, he was nearly 50 and obviously dyed his hair. The billboards show younger photos of him because the guy sitting behind the desk belongs in a nursing home. How is he threatening when his Botox-ridden face and hair plugs look like they belong to a mannequin? A phantom, he whispers. Apparition. Yep, I say. I'm death, come to collect your soul. Hold still while I use this scythe. And behold, in the year 2033, as I predicted, the Trinity will come to Earth and the Lord will take us all. Don't tell me you also invested in nuclear arms. Sitting across from him, I force the windows looking into the bullpen to tent so the business sims can't see. Lucifer's trick with the fake black room was pretty fucking cool. Instead of transporting us, I make flames appear from the tiled floors, though Carrie leans back in his seat as if I'm offering to light his cigar. Almost two decades, Carrie says. I enlighten the world to your kind. God is real. How could I not save every soul when I possess this knowledge? I'm here to present a bill, I say. I have a feeling you can't afford to pay it, though. Here comes the monologue, people. You spent two decades repaying loans and not investing your profits in the people. Preaching the distorted truth is the same as lying, Carrie. When I showed you that Lucifer was real, it was to repay your generosity to me that evening, but with the hope that you'd repurpose your wealth, feeding people, housing them. Instead, in almost 20 years, people only believe in God because you put it in their faces, on their TVs and phones. The word of God is not spread through media or fear. He does not come to the people. Individuals come to God. Those who enter Satan's domain have more to linger on than disbelief. Believe it or not, there is a retort to that long monologue. I really like this part when Birch says, the word of God is not spread through media or fear. He does not come to the people. Individuals come to God. I like that idea. But, you know, a lot of people think that if you're ignorant of God, you're never going to believe in God, and therefore you're going to go to hell, which I don't believe. I don't need the people To come to God, Carrie says, I need them to drop their $5 bills and collection plates. If you're not here to bring revelation, then I am unable to give a damn about your little tantrum. I bet it all on his name, and I give me enough money to buy Buckingham Palace tenfold. If God is silent, then he does not punish those who prosper. Who didn't benefit from this expansion, Birch? More buildings to let his people praise his name for an hour on Sundays, and a promise of a peaceful ending. If you do not follow me, they won't turn away just because you try standing at the front of the line. What the fuck does any of that mean? The flames disappear, so I push away the desk and grab Carrie by the balls. That gets me the screams I hoped for. You're going to reorganize everything, I say. You're going to actually do the Lord's work, and if you refuse, I will keep you in a windowless room tied to the floor with needles slowly entering and exiting your asshole. The next thing you say should be yes, sir. No, Carrie says. Pushing the old man to the floor, I put my hand around his throat while my legs rest on his arms. I'm going to break him of his ignorant habit. I can erase your memory, I say. I can make it so you don't even know how to talk or walk. You'll be a 66-year-old baby. Your assistant will have to hire a nurse to take care of you. You won't remember what God even is. Then I will go to every single property you own and dismantle it. We'll see how quickly people lose their faith when it's rooted in lies. You do what you want, you son of a bitch, Carrie says. Real men don't bend. They stand. I punch him in the jaw to stop another monologue. I can use my index finger for things other than poking people on the nose. Summoning heat, the number 666 traced nicely on his forehead no one in the office can hear his vocal cords breaking he based his whole ministry on a meeting with me i'm surprised he didn't have an artist draw a portrait of me to hang in every church yet when i want to change his organization to actually help people he refuses i'm branding you i say and you won't be able to prove i did it it will only help me carry says rather than erase his memories I think removing his ability to communicate works better. From now on, he'll never be able to speak again. If he ever tries to write a note or, or type, he'll get sickly dizzy. With this scar on his forehead, he can never make another public appearance again. You're transferring all of your assets related to Universal Trinity Ministry to a silent partner, I say. His name is K. Abercrombie. You're going to retire, and all future decisions for the corporation will come through me. Now go face your people one last time. A large part of my original vision for this novel was for Birch to help people, and he does help people, but I wanted to focus on him finally realizing that he could do good in the world. And he didn't just have to sit around because he was the most powerful guy in the world and he was afraid of hurting people. No, he could help people too. But I realized that didn't make as as compelling of a read as giving him a bunch of difficulties. So uh, there's a reference to an entirely edited out plot point uh, in the last paragraph of the novel. But there's also a point where Birch has a dream about what i cut out of the novel i've been recording this podcast and lectures all day so i really need to sign off so i hope you enjoyed this episode of demise of the podcast happy reading happy week happy weekend go love yourself